The last two Mishnahs of this Masechta discuss many different examples of making sure that one is totally honest in business. When you sell things, and the first example is where somebody tells someone, I'm going to sell you the produce of a specific field. In such a case, it is forbidden for him to mix produce of that field with produce of a different field, even if the vast majority of the produce will come from that specific field which he told the buyer he is selling him produce from there. It is forbidden to add produce of any different field, because that's not what you agreed upon. Even if it's new produce which you're mixing with new produce, so the quality is very similar. Nevertheless, if the deal was that you're selling him the produce of that specific field, that's what you need to do. And needless to say, it's forbidden to add new produce to old produce. If you told him that you're going to give him produce which is old, it is certainly forbidden to mix with that produce some new produce. Old produce produces more flour. It's considered to be more desirable. So certainly you would not be able to mix in with that some worse quality, newer produce. The MS adds the Mishnah in truth. Whenever the Mishnah has this word be'emes or be'emes omru, it refers to a very clear halacha which was undisputed. So the following halacha is very clear and no one argues on it. With regards to wine, the Chachomim permitted a seller to mix in harder wine, stronger wine with more soft, weaker wine. Because it improves the wine. It's considered to be better quality wine. Alright, it is forbidden to mix in the dregs of the wine, the part of the wine which hardens at the bottom. One cannot mix these shmorim of one bottle of wine with the shmorim, with the wine of, of a different bottle. If you're selling him wine, you can't add in these wine dregs to that wine, it can ruin the wine. However, you can give him the dregs of that wine itself. If let's say you have a bottle of wine and you're giving the buyer the entire bottle, for example, but the buyer bought his own bottle or his own container, so you're pouring out the wine into his container, you're able to pour it out together with the dregs, these shamarim, this hardened part of the wine which is left at the bottom, because it's part of that bottle itself, and it's not considered to be wronging the buyer. Continues the Mishnah with another example. Mishnah's are of Maimbienoi. Somebody who had wine and water was mixed with that wine. So the wine was more diluted. He is not allowed to sell that wine in a shop. Unless he lets the customer know that the wine has been diluted. And it's forbidden to sell diluted wine to a merchant who is going to sell that wine onto other people. Even if you let the merchant know. Why? Because you know that this merchant is going to go and sell it to other people and not let them know. Because the merchant is only going to use that wine to trick people with it and to sell wine to customers without letting them know that it has been diluted and is therefore less strong and perhaps less good quality. That having been said, says the Mishnah, Location where the custom and the regular practice there was to add, wi- add water to the wine and they would always dilute the wine and this could be done to different degrees depending on the location. Yatilu, it is permitted to add water to the wine, corresponding to the regular amount which is usually added in that location, and one does not need to be concerned and let the customer know, because that's, that's anyway the general practice. 
Mishnayud Beis. The examples continue. Hatagar, a merchant, noitel mechomish geronis, can take produce and grain from five different threshing floors, and put all of that produce and grain into one large container. And he can sell it like that. People realize that he's a merchant who buys from lots of different sources. So they realize that this grain comes from lots of different places. So it's not considered to be tricking or deceiving them. Similarly, Michomish Gittois. He can buy wine from five different wine presses. He can put it into one wine container, one big barrel. Again, because people realize that this person is a merchant who buys from lots of different sources. So there is no deception involved. Uvilvad, as long as Shalahim is Kavin Laorev, as long as he does not intend to mix, meaning he cannot do the following buy most of his wine from a source which sells very good quality wine, and then buy some from which is less good quality, and mix it together with the wine with the intention that people will think that he buys all of the wine from the source which sells very good quality wine. People will think that 100% of this wine is perfect quality, not realizing that actually part of it is not such good quality. Again, because this would be considered deception. says, A shopkeeper cannot distribute roasted cooked grain and nuts to young children because he will make them regularly come to him to buy his goods and he will cause other shopkeepers to lose out on business. Interesting what the treats were considered to be for young children back then. But this is an amazing idea how halakhically it is forbidden to do such a thing which will take away the business from other people even though this is considered to be a business tactic. On the other hand, the Chachom permit it because the other shopkeepers are able to do exactly the same thing. And they're able to give even better treats. And so they can't complain. Now says the Mishnah, very fascinating halacha, It is forbidden for a shopkeeper, according to this opinion, it is forbidden for a shopkeeper to reduce his prices, to be lower than the market price where everybody else is selling at. Because again, everybody will start buying from him and it'll cause the other people's business to go down. He should be remembered for the good, quite the opposite. This will cause everybody to reduce their prices, and now people will be able to buy things for lower prices. And again, the same idea as we saw before, that the other shopkeepers are able to do the same thing. He cannot sieve or pick out the bad quality parts of the grain, or parts of the beans, Dear Abishol, that is the opinion of Abishol, because he's very likely to then sell the produce for a higher amount, because it now is 100% good quality beans or grain, and he's likely to exaggerate the increase in its worth. So he'll end up selling it for more than it should really be sold for, more than its true price. However, permit it, because people are willing to pay more for... 100% good quality grain. And they're also paying partly for the fact that he spent the time and the bother to take these things out. And so it's permitted. It is forbidden for him to take out the bad quality ones just from the top layer of the produce. 
Because he's only doing that in order to steal the eye, to deceive people into thinking that this is better quality. They'll see the top layer and they'll think, wow, this looks so clean and such good quality. But really the rest of the sack of produce is full of a mixture of also worse quality produce. And even if he tells the person that he only changed the top layer, the nature of people is to think that the entire produce is better quality because of what they see. And lastly, says the Mishnah in Mepharikasin, one cannot improve the appearance. Loisa Odom, not of a person who's being sold as a slave. Loisa Behemar, nor an animal. Loisa Kalim, nor utensils. Of course, if the improvement in the appearance is in order to make it a better product, then it's permitted. But if it's, for example, a very old item which he paints in order to make it look new, that would be deceiving the buyer. So things like that would be forbidden and would come under the category of being dishonest in business, which is certainly forbidden. The focus of the fifth parak is also another subject within monetary law, and that is charging interest. The Torah says, Don't take from somebody neshech or tarbes. Don't give somebody your money as neshech. And don't give your food as marbis. So we see that the Torah refers to interest using two terms. One is neshech, one is marbis, or tarbis. And when the Torah talks about it, neshech refers to money, if one gives extra money. And tarbis refers to when you give food, or an item. However, the Gemara learns that really it's not that one of the terms refers to money and one refers to food. Rather, they both refer to any interest which is done. The reason why the Torah has two different terms for it is because somebody who does lend or borrow with interest transgresses two different prohibitions. The prohibition of Neshech and the prohibition of Tarbis. Now, Neshech comes from the word Neshech, which means to bite. Because just like when a snake bites somebody and injects its poison into that person's body... It then slowly spreads across the person's body. The nature of interest is the same thing in the way that it causes a big loss to the person who is borrowing. And the reason why it's called tarbis is that comes from the word ribis as well. It's the same word. And that means to increase because the person who is lending with interest, he has a monetary gain. Now it's very important to realize that when the Mishnah asks a question at the beginning of this parak, Ezo Neshech, the Ezo Tarbis, what is considered to be Neshech, what is considered to be Tarbis? Well, we just explained there's no difference between them in the Torah. Even though the Torah refers to Neshech with, to interest with money as Neshech, and interest which is food or items as Tarbis, they're both referring to all types of interest. As we explained, it's just to increase the amount of prohibitions that one violates. When the Mishnah asks what's Neshech and what's Tarbis, the Mishnah intends to ask, what is Ribis, what is interest which is forbidden mid that's known as Neshech, and which type of interest is forbidden only mid that is known as Tarbis. So either Neshech, what's considered to be Neshech, which is forbidden mid And the general rule is going to be that if it's part of a loan, where somebody lends money or lends something to somebody else, then it would be considered forbidden mid But if it's as a result of a sale, certain types of sales where the seller has a particular gain, that would come under the category of interest, but only mid Now, another term for interest, which is forbidden mid is ribis kutsutsa, fixed interest, because um, interest is only forbidden mid if it is fixed at an earlier date. Meaning at the time of the loan, he says that I'm lending you this money, and when you come to pay it later on, then you're going to have to pay me extra. 
you're going to have to pay me more than I'm lending you. That is the standard form of interest, and that would be known as Rubus Katsutsa because the interest is fixed earlier. Alright, so the Mishnah says, Ezo Neshech, what's considered to be the Mid-Eraisa forbidden interest? Hamalve Sela, one who lends somebody a Sela, which is worth the same as four dinar, Bachamisha dinarim, on condition that he will give him back five dinar. That is a very standard case of interest where you lend somebody something on condition that he pays you back more than you lent him. Or, so Saim Chitim, you lend him two sa'ar of wheat, Bashalish, on condition that he'll give you back three sa'ar. And it's forbidden and it's called Neshech because Meshu Neshech, because it, as it were, bites the borrower. It causes him a significant loss. It's sort of taking advantage of his desperate situation. Vezo Tarbis, what is considered to be Tarbis, that is interests only forbidden Midrabonon, Hamarba Beferis, one who makes a profit by selling produce. Kate said, what does that mean? What would the example be? If somebody bought from somebody else, let's say Ruvain bought from Shimon wheat, for a golden dinar per every car. A golden dinar is the same as 25 silver dinar, and a car is equivalent to 30 sa'ah. So he gave him 25 silver dinar on condition that Shimon will supply him with wheat for the next year. Now, although we mentioned early on in the Masechta that... Just by paying for something, one does not acquire it, and he has to do a real act of acquisition, like lifting the item up. Nevertheless, since we're talking about a prohibition midjabonon, this type of interest is only midjabonon, we therefore do consider it to be that you do acquire it just by paying for it for certain matters. To the extent that it wouldn't be considered interest, we consider it as if that the sale has taken place already now, even if all Ruvin has done is pay money to Shimon, we do view it to some extent as if he has acquired the wheat. Alright, so again, he, he paid 25 silver dinar for a car, a 30 of wheat. And that's the same as the market price. Then in the middle of the year, the value of the wheat then went up to be worth 30 silver dinar instead of 25. And we'll assume that he hadn't yet given him any of the wheat which he was supposed to supply him for a year. Let's say this happened a week later, so he hadn't yet given him wheat. And Biazame, the buyer, now says to the seller, Omar Loi says to him, Give me my wheat which I bought from you, I want all of the wheat now. Shani because I want to sell the wheat to the Kachman Yayin, and then I'll buy wine with that wheat. Because the wheat is now doing very well in the market, it's worth a lot, I want to now sell it so that I'll have money to buy more wine. Omar Loi, the seller, Shimon, says to the buyer, Ruvain, I don't want to bother now making sure that I have wheat to give you. You know what? Instead, your wheat, which we are viewing as belonging to you now already, even though you only paid me, it is viewed to a certain extent as belonging to you. So your wheat, which I owe you, that should become a debt of 30 dinar. Instead of me having to supply you with wheat now, I'm going to owe you 30 dinar, which is the current value of the wheat. And I'm go- that debt should be with me as wine. Meaning I'm going to pay that debt with wine. And he says this in a situation where the yayin ain't low, he hasn't got any wine right now. And we're concerned that the price of wine is going to go up. And Shimon is going to have to pay to get the wine more than 30 dinar. And he'll give him wine which is worth more than 30 dinar. And that is like interest. If he has wine, then we view it as if Ruvain becomes the owner of the wine already now. So it wouldn't be interest, but in a case where he doesn't have wine, and he's only going to give the wine later on, because the wine is sort of the way that he is paying the loan, yeah, he turned the 30 dinar of wheat into a debt, into a loan, as it were, of 30 dinar, and he's going to pay that loan with wine. 
So if the value of the wine goes up later on, that is considered to be like interest, so Midrabonon it's forbidden and would come under the category of Tarbis. Mishnah base, there's a concept of Avak Ribis. Avak Ribis literally means the dust of interest. Just like there's a concept of Avak Lashon Hora, which is a sort of secondary form of Lashon Hora, but following are examples of secondary forms of um, interest. Says Mishnah, Hamal is Chaveir, somebody who lends money to his friend, Loyodor Bachatzeir Chinam, cannot live in the borrower's courtyard for free. And he can't rent it from the borrower for less than the regular rental price. Because it is, comes under the category of interest, because it appears like he is doing him extra favours and sort of adding on to what he is paying back for borrowing money from the lender. Continues the Mishnah. One can increase uh, rent, but you cannot increase the price of a sale. Kate said, what does that mean? So the Mishnah explains with an example. If somebody, let's say, Ruvain, rented his uh, courtyard to Shimon. And he tells Shimon, If you pay me from now for the rental, Then you can have it for 10 sela a year. However, if you pay me month by month at the end of each month, then you need to pay me a sela per month. So it would come out that over the year, it would be 12 sela, not 10. Mutter, that is permitted. The reason is, the Gemara explains that which means that the somebody who rents something from somebody else only starts to owe the person money at the end of the rental. So it's not as if when he comes into the house at the beginning of the month, he already technically owes the owner of the house money, and by paying at the end of the month, he's delaying the payment. If that were the case, then it would be considered to be interest. Because he is paying at a later date, he therefore pays more. That is forbidden with Jabonon. However, since there is an understanding that he only starts to owe the money at the end anyway, so that means that if the price is a seller for each month, that's the real price. If he's going to pay him at the beginning of the year, that's not the normal thing, he doesn't yet owe the money. So the understanding is that if he's going to pay him now, that's considered to be sort of beyond what he needs to do. So then if he he's charging him less for doing him sort of a favour by giving him money before it's even owed to him. Whereas now we're going to see the opposite case, if Mohala is Sodehu, if Ruven sold his field to Shimon, he tells Shimon, if you pay me now, then you can have it for a thousand Zuz. But if you wait until the threshing floor when you sell your produce and you'll get more money, if you pay me at a later date, then you have to pay me 1,200 dinar, which is the same as 1,200 Zuz. Then also it's forbidden, because in that case, certainly when does he owe the money? Already from now. So the real price is a thousand zuz. The higher price is therefore considered to be an increase. So that would already be considered interest, whereas in the case of rental, the real price is considered to be the later price, and therefore we look at it in the opposite perspective, that if he pays him now, he's paying him a lower price than the real price.